Hey, Surf Scale Soar family. Today's episode is going to be probably one of the hardest episodes I've ever recorded because I am getting fully transparent. This is something that I've never talked about. As we're recording this, only about six people know um, the story, and most of them don't know the whole story. They know parts of it about something that happen. And I think that it's something that should be talked about. I've always been super transparent when it comes to money, finances, and this is something that I've kept to myself. And it's something that I've spent the last year healing from. And after a conversation with a friend, it was something that I felt like I needed to share, not to like share my story, but because it can help other people And if this episode helps one person, it was worth it. So let's jump on in. Welcome to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Hey, Serve Scale Soar family. Okay, so um, I don't even know how to start this episode off. So I was sitting, I'm going to start with a story. I was sitting at a Mexican restaurant. I love Mexican. One of our favorite Mexican restaurants in St. Pete, downtown St. Pete. And a friend came into town and I drove up to St. Pete so we could grab lunch. And um. We're sitting there. It's beautiful. It's like so nice, sunny. And this is like in the winter, y'all. So like January or something. And we're sitting there and we're just talking about business and everything. And she she said, how's the house going? And of course, we started talking about the house and, you know, how as a business owner, sometimes it's more difficult to get loans and all this kind of stuff. And I was talking about how we like all this stuff that happened through the year that we had to address. And uh, for some reason, at this point, I'd only told like five people. And that includes like family and stuff. And so for some reason, in that moment, I felt the need to tell her. But yeah, but for us, it's been a little bit more difficult. Because three years ago, we filed for bankruptcy. And um, in that moment, tears rolled down her face because she had experienced the exact same thing. And I'm not sure why I decided to share that with her. But the thing with bankruptcy, it's a lonely place. And there's shame connected to it. There's like, all this like money mindset that has to happen. And it's something that because of other situations, I decided I wasn't going to share with anyone. And in that moment, I shared with her. And the instant connection that we created, I'm so grateful for. And that's what made me record this episode is that for anyone who's been through this experience or has been close to this experience, or they're just struggling, you have debt callers, people calling, and you just feel like you can't get ahead. 
it's such a lonely place because no one talks about it. No one talks about how to get out of it. No one talks about the right things. And if you do have to file bankruptcy, you're shamed. It's like such a shameful thing in our society. And in that moment, everything changed. Our whole relationship changed because she also told me she hadn't told anyone about hers. And I knew the weight of carrying around that secret and what that feels like. And especially as a business owner. And so um, both of us had experienced the same thing. It wasn't that we were buying like Louis Vuittons or going on these extravagant trips or just running up credit cards. We both had a business prior that we made bad business decisions. And maybe it wasn't even bad business decisions. Maybe it was just that it wasn't the right decisions or, you know, businesses fail. I mean, that's part of business is only less than 50% of businesses make it. And for me, my story was in direct sales and I've been very open about my experience in direct sales. And there's this really, um, at least in the one, I don't want to speak for all of them. And I don't blame anyone for the situation that I got in. I've fully healed from this, not fully, but working on it. And it's not so much that all direct sales or MLMs are bad, but there's a culture and I've seen it in multiple ones where you have to spend money. This whole thing of spend money to make money is said, but then no one tells you how to manage your money. And this is where I found myself in a really strange place. So before I go on, I just want to take back to the beginning and how everything played out. So first off, I want to first state that this is not just my story. This is also my husband's story. And we, and to respect our marriage, he knows how open and honest I am about finances. This is not something that was only my story to tell. It is part of his, and we had a long discussion, and now felt like the right time because there was a lot that we had to do in order to feel comfortable sharing this. Also, because I've spent the last year specifically working on healing from this. No matter what your situation is right now, there's going to be takeaways that you can take from this episode because. Inside this episode, some things happened. Some friends did some things and they weren't intentionally mean. They didn't intentionally mean to hurt. But maybe this helps you be a beacon for other people that if a friend ever comes to you, you will have a better way to respond. So stick with me as we go through this. So I went straight. Some of y'all know my story, but I went straight from undergrad to law school. In law school, I was top 10% of my class, which was a big deal, but found out because I was a female and I was going to school in Alabama and it's a good old boys club that I was not going to get a paid internship for the summer. And my counselor was super honest with me. I didn't have any connections in Alabama. It was going to be extremely hard for me to get a job with a private law firm 
after college. I'd probably end up working for the state or local government. And that looks like making like 40 to 50,000 a year. And when you're spending close to 100,000 per year to go to school, that's kind of disheartening. And so in that moment, I was also engaged and I found myself at a party, a direct sales party, skincare party. And I saw this woman who was saying that she was making like over $10,000 to $20,000 per month, driving a free car. She was able to work whenever she wanted. And this is a lot of the same stuff that we talk about now. And you didn't have to have an education and all this stuff. And I was like, if she can do this, I can do this. And so there's a lot of power in seeing testimonials because it does open up possibilities. And at this time, I was 21, about to turn 20. No, I was 22. So I just turned 22. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And so without knowing anyone, I grew that business very quickly. And I went from not having any resources. I was living strictly off loans because your first year of law school, you can't work, which was totally new for me. I've worked since I was 14. And so that time I, um, and before this, just so y'all know, as soon as I turned 18, I got my first credit card because I knew how important it was to grow your credit. And I would pay it off every single month because I worked. And so I'd pay it off. And this was something I was so proud of. I like held so much pride in my credit score, which is problematic in itself. So that was happening and I joined Mary Kay. So I had credit card and they said, you know, like you need inventory, you'll sell it and then you'll make 50% and all this stuff. And so I used my credit card and quickly paid that off. I sold it because I'm someone who, if I put the money in, then I'm going to make sure that I make that money back and pay it off. And I did. I like off to the races. And then you go from being a consultant to a director. And so very quickly, I earned my first free car. In five months, I was the top 1% of the company and everything was going great. But things change. As you hit that role of leadership, other things change and you have a team now to take care of. You have expenses. And so what I thought was just going to be a way for me to make some money, you know, like $5,000 a month was crazy to me. And so making that amount of money, I was like, that's what I need. And then I stepped in this leadership role and I loved it. But what I didn't know at 22 is how to manage my money. This is something that really isn't taught in school. No one's sharing this. And I didn't know exactly how to manage my finances. And so I got in this predicament where we were having amazing months. Like I'm talking about I was bringing in $10,000, $15,000 months, and it was so awesome. I was like, holy cow, 22, making this much money. This is freaking amazing. And then there's this thing that happens where you start offspringing, which means you have other directors, and that's supposed to be a goal. But what they don't tell you is when that happens, your income usually takes a big drop. And so that happened. And then your production takes a drop. And then you have to continue to make that production because if you don't, you lose your car. And at this point, my whole identity started to get wrapped up in where I stood in the company, my ranking. And so what jacket, because you got different jackets, like suit jackets for each one, and how many diamond rings I had in my purses. And this is all materialistic stuff that I never cared about before. And I'm not saying it's bad to care about that stuff. It just was not me. 
And then my identity really got wrapped up into the car. So then it's like, you're this car driver, you're this car driver, you're a senior sales director. And I wanted to move up this ladder because of the recognition. It was no longer about the money. It was strictly about like the recognition. And so what happened is I was moving up, but I was making less. And then there was these big turns where like one month you'd make 15,000, then the next you'd make three. And then once you get to a point where your production starts slipping, there's like this underground culture that's not talked about where it's like, well, you just order more products and then you'll keep your production. And then the next month you'll be back to where you were. So then it came a point where I was taking money from my family to order more products. And then it was like, okay, we'll just put it on credit card because it was several thousand dollars and then do this. And then so my credit card started to pile up with inventory just to keep my role because heaven forbid I dropped to a lower car because then people would judge you and they do. And there was this whole mentality of hustle, hustle, hustle. And so I was working all the time, but then there was also this cultural aspect of you should have a studio. So then I have a place that I'm like physically renting each month that's $1,000. And then you also have to pay for prizes for your unit. And then all these business expenses started piling up to where my expenses were way more than where I was in my business. And some of you may be in this place. And this is why now probably everything's connecting of why I talk about profitability so much. But one thing they did is say, spend, spend, spend. But there was never any talk about how to manage your money, how to handle low months, high months. How do you have, like, if you're going to have a $10,000 month, how can you only take X amount of salary and use the rest for expenses when you have low months? And this is some stuff that I have 100% incorporated in my business now because I know how to run a business now because I had to learn the hard way of how not to run a business. And I am not blaming anyone. I want to be very clear. I take full responsibility for how I chose to spend my money. But I think what was problematic is when we're telling people to spend money, to get credit cards, to do all this stuff, but then we're not educating them on how to manage that, it becomes a very toxic culture. It also becomes a very toxic culture when your identity is tied up in your role, your title the possessions, the cars. And we can see this in some of the online space as well, which is why I never suggest credit cards for any of our programs. Like you figure out if this is something you want, you figure it out. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking out a credit card to buy a course as long as you know how to pay it back. But I will never be the person that's like, hey, I suggest this card because it's 0% interest because I've been there. I used to do that and I've had to come to so many terms that I never thought I was doing something wrong, but it wasn't my place to tell other people how to get funding, but not educate them on finances. And so we get in this predicament. This was an eight-year cycle, y'all, that I was in. And so at 22, going from all this money and then roller coastering through, and then Finances where we had good months, bad months, good months, putting months on credit card until when I was eight months pregnant, I looked at my husband and said, I can't do this anymore. This is, it was like so much of what I was seeing happen to people who I cared about, loved, that were financially just going broke and broke and broke. 
And this was not my isolated story. This was something that was happening over and over and over again. And this was people that looked like they were successful in the company. And I was like, I can't do this. Like this does not fall in alignment with me. I cannot continue to tell people to start this business. And yes, there are people that are 100% successful in it. And that's great. Just like there's 100%. So I'm not knocking MLM and drug sales. Just for me, it was no longer in alignment because the money was told spend, 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 but then no one's teaching you how to be profitable. How slow growth is sometimes more important than fast growth if it means you're profitable. And that's why when I came into this business, that was one of my biggest things is I was going to make sure it was profitable. And that's why I've been so open about my finances, because this is an area that we can see in the online space as well, is not always transparent. People are throwing out big numbers, but not talking about profitability. I know people who do multi-million dollar years and taking home less than 100K per year. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's not fully transparent if we're not sharing those numbers. And so for me, it's always been like, let's talk the numbers. Let's open this conversation up because the more we can talk about this and less we make it taboo, the more financially secure more people can be. And so at eight months pregnant, I told my husband, like, this is too stressful. I can't do this. And I said, we'll figure it out. And then it was like, okay, now we're down to one income and I have to figure out how we're going to pay off these credit cards that were pretty much all inventory and stuff for my business. And so, and no one told me like, you need to have a separate business account and all this stuff. Everything was under our personal name and I was so not protected by anything. And so I um, got to the point where my daughter was five months and we were just in a bad financial place. My husband took a lower paying job when we moved to Virginia to be close to family before Riley was born because the benefits were so good and we needed the health care. And so when I had Riley, we were in the hospital for seven days. It was not an easy birth. It was not an easy labor. There was emergency C-sections and we had some issues with Riley. And so what we thought was good insurance, it was okay. But then we ended up with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of medical bills. And we were already struggling. So it got to a point where one of my friends, we joke about it now, but I would literally leave the sticker on a credit card because then if I went to buy formula or diapers and then declined, I would be like, oh, oops, sorry, I just didn't activate it. And it's such a low point in my life where I was selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace just to be able to afford to feed my child and put diapers on her. So it came to a breaking point where I told my husband, like, we can't do this. Like, we're barely surviving right now. And I had to share with him what had happened because he didn't know. And so I had to share with him the credit cards and the medical bills. And on top of that, because of law school, I had over $130,000 in student loans. And then my husband had $30,000 in student loans. And it just felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And so, and some of you may be feeling that right now. So I got you. I know how it is. And I sat down with him and we had a discussion and he was such an amazing man. 
And we went to an attorney, talked about what we could do. And he was like, y'all are never going to get ahead at this rate. Like, it doesn't matter if you got another job because then daycare and all this stuff. And so we decided to file for bankruptcy. And the crazy thing is, I look at it now and we had, besides student loans, because those don't go away, we had $60,000 in credit card debt. And $60,000 now is what sometimes I bring home in one month profit. But in that moment, we did the math and he told us with interest and everything, it would take us 20 years just to pay off the credit card debt. And we would still be struggling. And that didn't even include student loans. And so after reviewing all of our options, we decided that we were going to file. But the crazy thing about bankruptcy is you have to pay your attorney. And we didn't have money to pay our attorney. And so we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And I was by myself. I was trying to keep it together for my husband. My husband was trying to keep it together for me. And I remember driving down the road. I know exactly where I was in Roanoke, Virginia, and what road I was on. And I we hadn't told anyone this except for my mom at the time because she had to watch Riley for us so we could go to the attorney. And I'm driving down the road by myself, trying to keep my life together and feeling so defeated. Like everything I had prided myself on was gone, at least what I thought. And I called up my best friend. And when I called her up, and I want everyone to know, this is the, like, this is a response. I don't blame her or anything. This was just my experience. We are still amazing, amazing friends. But I want to share this story because if someone comes to you with the exact same thing, maybe now that we can, when we didn't know how to respond before, Maybe we can think about it a little bit more or we don't respond at all, but we're just a listening board. And so I call my friend. I'm like bawling my eyes out. And y'all, I'm still like hormonal at this point. I'm five months post baby. I'm pumping every two hours because she wouldn't breastfeed. Like there's still all these hormones going on too. And so I call and bawling my eyes out. And I tell her, I said, I think Austin and I are going to have to file bankruptcy. Her husband's in finance. And she said, Oh, and it was just like, she was like, oh, and I don't remember what else she said. And in that moment, I was like, okay. And she was like, okay. And it was just like, I needed that sounding board. It was great. And we hung up and I didn't feel better. It was just like, at least I told someone and I hadn't said we are fine. I said, we're thinking about it. We just met with the attorney. But then I received a text later after she had spoken with her husband And she said, this is going to be one of the worst mistakes you make in your life. This is going to ruin you. I talked to my husband and he said, don't do it. It will completely ruin your life and your credit and everything. And in that moment, that friendship no longer felt safe. And so I was like, yeah, I don't think we are. Because... There was instant judgment, and I don't think it was purposeful judgment. I think it's what society teaches. That happened, and then once we decided to file for bankruptcy and the whole process started to pay for the attorney, I had never been to a pawn store in my life. I literally took all my diamond rings that I had earned to Mary Kay, tried to go to a pawn shop. They wouldn't take them, like, or what we were going to get wouldn't even matter. And then I had a yard sale. 
where I used my square reader to swipe credit cards. People were like, oh my gosh, you take credit cards? And I sold all my designer purses. Most of them I had never even used. They were just up in the closet and they were Kate Spade, Michael Kors, like all this stuff that I'd earned in Mary Kay. And I stood out in the heat. It was like $97. I remember I got so burnt and my parents were watching Riley and I ran this yard sale and I was taking credit card and we came up with $2,000 from a credit card and I hustled to get that. And then I was selling everything I could find in our house to come up with the last thousand to pay for the attorney so we could file bankruptcy. And once we did, there was a letter that was sent to Austin's parents because we weren't going to tell anyone because we told my mom, no judgment. It was like, she was like, do what you have to. But then Austin's parents got a letter because his mom was also on a student loan. And it was just saying like, student loans don't go away. So even with bankruptcy, we were still going to have over $150,000 in debt with student loans that we're going to have to pay. And I remember his parents saying, this is the worst mistake. This will ruin your life. So now at this point, two people that are close to us, our family, friends have told us that we're ruining our lives. And it was so defeating. It felt like God. And so at that moment, we decided we're not going to tell anyone else. Like this will be our secret. We will hold on to this. We got through the process and as soon as it was finalized, it was like such a relief. We still had um, student loans to pay and everything, but it was such a relief because now I could focus on my family, taking care of them instead of like, how are we going to buy food? How are we going to get diapers? And there was so much shame around this thing that we had to do for our family to survive. And in that moment, that's when... As soon as we started this process, that's when I started my business. That's when I decided, like, I'm going to figure this out. That's when I started my VA business. And from then, our life has never been the same. And what I thought would be us just making a little bit of money to continue to be able to, like, pay off these student loans that we were still going to have turned out to be something so much bigger. And so. It was challenging. Like every time we went to want to rent something or any time a friend asked us why we hadn't bought a house yet or anything like that, like it did become difficult. It did become an issue and it was not fun. There was things that we had to sacrifice because of the bankruptcy. And then, of course, my VA business, I started that same time that we filed for bankruptcy and then quickly it grew. Y'all know that story. But I thought I'd put a lot of this behind me until last year when I joined a mastermind that I thought was for marketing and turned out it was not marketing at all. It was all mindset, which I so appreciate. And we get to, we do a visualization in February. And in this visualization, I see us buying a house. But for three years, I'd put that in my head that that was not a possibility for us because we had filed bankruptcy. Everyone told us we were ruining our lives and buying a house was just not available for us. In this visualization, all that kept on coming up was a house. And at this time, we didn't even know we were going to live. We were in North Carolina. Like, were we moving back to Florida? We didn't know. But all I remember is hearing Riley's giggles and her footsteps running around 
creating memories, giving her more stability. She had a painted room, which we'd always rented. So that was never possible for her. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to make this happen, but this is what came up for me. I had tingles in my fingertips, everything. And so I got back from that and I said, Austin, let's buy a house. I said, and that's when we sat down and said, we knew it was going to be Florida. And we were like, we don't even know this possibility. And so we reached out to someone and they were like, no, 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 it's not a possibility. Found another person and that person said, it is a possibility. Here's the steps that have to happen for it to become a possibility. And that happened in February. At the end of March, we bought our land and we signed our contract. But the crazy thing about building a house is that you are under pretty much like the approval process. You get approved twice. So usually when you buy a house, you're under the escrow and all that for like 30 days, 60 days, usually max. And that's it. Well, building a house, you get approved in the beginning and then you get approved at the end. And so what happened is we got approved. We worked with this amazing broker lender and they really helped us get this down, like how much we needed to put down, what we needed to keep. And the crazy thing is when we went to see how much we could actually get financed, if we wouldn't have had the bankruptcy, it would have cost us, we could have got a house up to $2 million. And the thing is in Florida, $2 million gets you on open water. And so, or at least intercoastal. And that would have been really hard to say no to. And a mortgage on a $2 million house is insane. And in that moment, I looked at Austin and I was like, see, (laughs) bankruptcy happened for a reason. And I said, because how freaking hard would that have been to turn down a $2 million house? But then we were stuck with this massive mortgage and house poor. So instead, we could only get an FHA loan which meant we were capped at what the um, government sets for you, which is not a lot. And so we were like, we'll pay the rest in cash. We'll figure it out. But then along with that, you also have to keep a certain number. And so we had an amazing 2020. But then going into 2021, we go under contract for our house And then I'm told we have to keep a certain percentage of profitability margin from the previous year. And so all of last year, one, I'm dealing with this whole issue, like, am I worthy? Like, am I even supposed to? Like, what if this all fails? I've let my family down before. Like, all this stuff that goes through our head, which is why I stopped the income reports, because I was trying to work through new money mindset that it had always been there, but I hadn't worked through it and it didn't come up for me. And so like, it was a hard year for me. And so that's why we cut income reports. It was for my mental sanity. And then it also felt like I wasn't in control of my business anymore because if there was someone I wanted to hire or if there was something I wanted to purchase, It wasn't a matter of like, can we? It was like, I have to ask like all these people's permission with the lenders and all this stuff. And then we get down to the end of the year and I was super nervous because I did make a decision, a big decision because my health started to take a toll. My cortisol levels were through the roof because I was stressed all the time. Like all the time I was stressed. 
And so we got to a point where I just made a business decision that the bank was probably not going to like. I was nervous about it, but I knew that I needed to make it for my health. And so we made it and thank God everything worked out. But last year it felt like my business wasn't my business anymore, which was hard. But I tell you this because we all go through these seasons where like once you hit a certain income, it doesn't mean all those problems go away. We're constantly evolving as people. We're constantly needing to work through new things. So that happened in February where like the visualization happened. Then in July, we're at our second in-person mastermind and I'm sitting at the table and everyone's like, okay, like we're supposed to do round table masterminds. And they said, Brandy, what are you going through right now? And I was like, oh, I have nothing. And at this point, like my cortisol levels are off the chart. I'm not really enjoying business. I'm feeling like so exhausted with stress and financial stress again. And I was like, nothing. And they were like, it looks like something's going on. Like, just tell us. And two of my such good friends, I'm so grateful for them. I wrote down and was like, it's this house. And I said, we filed bankruptcy. And now this is what it looks like. And I'm so stressed. And what if like this happens again? And through the rest of the year, they helped me heal from this. They were like, wait, that's what the big deal is? You filed bankruptcy? That's not a big deal. Like, think about all the amazing entrepreneurs who have filed bankruptcy and bounced back. And it was such a different reaction than we had had from other people. And it gave me this place to be like, okay, that's not everyone's belief. Not everyone is throwing shame on me. Not everyone's throwing shade about this. That's other people's beliefs around money, around bankruptcy, but that's not everyone's. And in that moment, I was able to start to heal. And it's been a long process. And so they've been so incredible. And it's so good to have friends and to be in that place where you're not alone. And what I learned through this is you just have to find your people. And that really good friend that told me I was making the worst decision ever that's okay. That does not mean she's a bad friend. That just means that I don't talk about those things with her. We talk about other stuff. And then I have my friends that I can talk about the bankruptcy and how I'm feeling and what's happening with our finances and stuff like that. We don't have to give up on our friends just because they don't believe one thing that we do. We just choose conversations with the people who get us where we're at with what topic. And I think that that's another thing we hear is like, if someone's negative, cut them out of your life. And it's no, change the narrative. My good friend and I, we talk about being moms. We talk about The Bachelor. We talk about the Kardashians. With my other set of friends, we never talk about the Kardashians, The Bachelor. And I love talking about that stuff. But we talk about like what's happening in the world. We talk about like financially, like emotionally where we're at. And it's two different conversations and neither one is better than the other. It's just different conversations and we can have different conversations with people. And so from this, you know, it's taken, we were getting close the last 30 days. I was like super nervous because then you go into escrow and then like they're combing through everything. And I had to explain like every expense that we made, every business decision, why our profit margins were 5% lower than they were the previous year, why our income was $200,000 lower than it was the previous year, and why I made certain business decisions. And I started feeling the pressure. And then we had stuff come up like this whole condo situation. And the HOA board was such a nightmare. 
And it came up again that like they wanted to run a credit report and we're like, why? Like we've paid, like it shouldn't matter if like what our credit says. And they said it's like, because that's how they keep like, they don't want scrupulous people. That was the word that was used. And I want to be like, what on someone's credit report makes them scrupulous? And it was such an interesting thing to like it brought up. And I will tell you, I had to work through all these emotions and feelings again. And as we're going through this, I'm working through those emotions and feelings around shame and hurt and stuff like that around this situation. And one thing that's so crazy is that as society, we feel like people who have had financial hardships as scrupulous. And there's something so wrong about that. People go through hard times. People make financial mistakes. People create businesses that fail. And for some reason, we look down on them. When someone's bank account has nothing to do with the character of the person. So needless to say, we closed on our house. And I'm so grateful for the bankruptcy because one, It's helped me connect with other people that have been alone and feeling the shame. Two, it kept us from purchasing a $2 million home. Three, we put 40% down on our home. Like how many people can say that they put 40% down on their home and we had to, to get the home we wanted. And so now our mortgage is so low. It's lower than rent that we were paying. And that includes like the taxes, the CDD. We have like all these HOAs. And it's cheaper than all that. And we'll pay it off in 15 years. And what a freaking blessing that is. And then also, it taught me how to manage money. Last year, you heard on the podcast, we paid over $100,000 in student loans. This year, we're going to pay off Austin's, which is $20,000. And then we'll be, besides our mortgage, debt-free. And that is so empowering. And so now... We know how to financially manage our money from a personal sense, but I've been able to help so many people learn to talk about their profitability and their revenue and look at their business in a way and to make smart decisions and not to have a business that's like bleeding money, but have a business that's profitable and make decisions from that because each and every single one of you can have a profitable business. And I think the more we talk about money, revenue, profit, the more we can all grow, especially as women, the more that we can accept more money (laughs) into our life. We can also be more generous when people share their stories, their situations with us, no matter if it's about money or otherwise. We can also start to drop shame around money and bankruptcy. And another experience that happened Last year when I was working through this that was so powerful is we went to Dave Ramsey's and I didn't know a lot about Dave Ramsey. I knew he did like the envelope thing and that was about it. But when you walk into his headquarters, it's so beautiful and it's an $80 million facility that they paid in cash. But as soon as you walk in, it's his bankruptcy declaration, like where that he filed bankruptcy and what he's built since then. And how his company has grown and how they pay everything in cash now. And once again, I'm not against credit cards. I think there's a time and place for everything and everyone's situation and spending habits are completely different. But it was so powerful to see this man 
who filed bankruptcy and now he's crushing it. And I was like, gosh, there's nothing shameful about this. People go through situations. People go through hard times. And how can we just love people for who they are and not what's in their bank account? And I don't think that anyone should celebrate me because I've had bankruptcy. It was just my story. And I'm trying to now know that like it's just part of my past. It doesn't dictate my future. And one thing that I want everyone to take away from this, no matter what your situation is, if you built it once, you can build it again. And that's what I kept in my mind. I built a business once and it failed. And I don't usually use the word failed because I actually stepped away from it. It didn't fail. We were still having success, just not the success that I wanted. It's like I said, you can have a $3 million business, but if you're not bringing in any profit, is it a success? I don't know. It's not for me to define. For me, I want to make sure that I'm running no less than 50% profitability. And that's what success means to me when it comes to my business finances. And so we all have to define that on our own. Some people run it 30% and that's fine. Some people run it 10%. And if that's good with them, that's awesome. We all have to make these decisions on our own. But one thing I want you to know is if you can build it once, you can build it again. If you are doing $10,000 months and you drop down to 1,000 because of situations, you can get back there again. And that's what I kept reminding myself is I built a successful business in Mary Kay. I can build a successful business again. And we have. And now I run through that mindset whenever I feel like things aren't going like I want it. It's like if this all came down tomorrow, I could build another one. I could do it again because I've done it once. And so, y'all, this has been such a different episode. I feel like now I've been the ultimate transparent because before this, less than like seven people knew, 10 people, it was definitely less than 10. And now, like, Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people all over the world will know. And so very, very different. But what I want you to know is if you're struggling with anything around money, shame, embarrassment, maybe your business just isn't where you want it. We all go through this and so many people are going through it right now. They just don't want to talk about it. Let's get better about talking about these things. There are people that you will find that do not understand it. And you just know, go have those conversations with other people. And I ask, if someone comes to you and they are in this situation, don't give feedback. Just listen. Just be a comforting place that they can go and just have someone. Because chances are, soon as anyone says anything, they're going to shut down. And the worst thing that we can do right now for people is not have a place for them to go. This world has been changed forever the last two years. And more people now are more alone than ever. More people are struggling with anxiety, shame, guilt, whatever the emotions. And we just need to be a place for them to go and talk and have a safe space. So the more safe spaces you can create in your life, the better. And if one person says something, don't make that your story for so long. I made that my story because two people told me I was ruining my life. And instead, it was the exact opposite. My life has only went up since we fought for bankruptcy. And y'all, I know this episode was probably not for everyone. But if one person can now not feel alone, 
This episode was worth it. And I'm cheering you on. So go out this week, serve your clients, scale your business, and soar into the success you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.